I'm Darren, and I'm one of the pastors here at Focus. And, and for everyone that calls Focus their home church, I just want to say that this is my favorite day of the week, spending time with my favorite people, doing my favorite thing, which is worshiping God with my home church. Come on, somebody, right? I love being here with every single one of you. And for those of you that are guests with us today, and, and maybe you're looking for a home church, let me just say this. Welcome home. Come on now. Yeah. We would love for you to be part of the movement of what God is doing right here at our church. And, and today we are in week three of a series that we're calling Rally. Everybody say Rally. Rally. It, pretty, it seemed pretty fitting for us to do a series called that right now because, again, it is football season. Even if you're not a football fan, you're aware that it is football season. If anything, because we're in week three of this series and I've talked about it every single week. But we're in a series called Rally because, because that's kind of what happens every single Friday night or Saturday that there is some sort of, of pep rally happening all across this country of ours. Now, we're not talking about pep rallies. That's not what the focus is for us. But, but this rally idea that I want to make sure that we're on the same page. So the working definition that we've had for rally through this series is this. It means that we are going to be together to focus on a singular purpose and a singular action. Coming together, being together, to focus in on a singular purpose and a singular action. A group of people who are all focused on the exact same thing. That's powerful for us. And, and the reason why we even say that is because this is, our, this is our major big takeaway that we've had throughout this entire series, and it's this, is that we believe that we are better together. We are, somebody help me out, better together. We are better together. Why do we say that? Well, because we see that all throughout Scripture, over and over and over again. At the very beginning, God says it's not good for man to be alone, right? Because we are Come on, somebody. I love hearing that. We are better together. The, the verse that we've been looking at throughout this entire thing is Ecclesiastes 4.9 that says two people are, somebody help me out, better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. I know that God has an amazing plan and an amazing future for each and every single one of you. I believe that. I believe that with everything inside of me. But for you to get to that future, it's so much easier and more effective if you do that with other people who are focused on the same thing. 
It's so much easier that when distractions of this world come around, and you're like, oh, what's that shiny thing over there? That there's somebody there to help you get your focus back on the direction that you need. That's what it's all about for us. We are better together. And we've been looking at a specific story in Scripture that has helped us understand this idea of rallying together and what can happen when a group of people who truly are focused on a singular purpose and a singular action of what can take place and what can be accomplished in that moment. And that story is found at the very beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Now let me, let me just let you know what's happening in this, that, that there is this special moment that happened on the day of Pentecost, that there's 120 people that are together, they're gathered together, they were rallying together, and they were focused on God. They were focused on the gift that Jesus said he was going to send to them. And then all of a sudden, this wild scene happened, a special moment in history where they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. But then that special moment, that special moment actually transitioned to another special moment. Right after they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, that Peter got up with the other people, with the other disciples, because he wasn't going to do this alone. He was going to do it together because he understood that we are better together. And so he begins to preach to this crowd of people that are around him. And in that moment, a special moment happened that 3,000 people said yes to Jesus. Come on, man. Man, from a special moment to a special moment. How many of you want to be in a place where you can have a special moment of God, right? I want to, anybody want to be able to have, have God move in a, an amazing way in your family? Anybody want to have God move in an amazing way in your community? How about in our church? Come on, right? I hope that you can get to a place where, where we want to be able to see God move in, a, in an incredible way. Because here's what I'm asking for, and here's what I'm praying for, and here's what I'm hoping for. And here's what I'm asking you to be on board with. Is that we don't just have a special moment, we have a special movement. Come on now. I don't want to just be part of a moment, I want to be part of a special movement of God. Where He is constantly moving and having His way inside of our life in the direction that He has for us. And so like I said, I want to invite you to not just, not just seek a special moment, but that we're seeking a special movement of God. And so I ask you to be expecting, be ex come in on a Sunday and be expecting a special movement. Not just on a Sunday, because that's a moment, right? On a Wednesday, that you wake up in the morning and you are expecting a special movement of God. God, continue to work inside of my life. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. I want to be part of a movement of God every single day of my life. And I want to invite you to have that exact same expectation. But here's what I know. Here's what I know is that not only do we need to have a, an attitude of expectation if we want to see a movement, we need the right attitude and we also need the right strategy. There's a strategy that's involved to be part of a movement of God. Because in a moment, we can have a moment with God, and it's fantastic, and it's wonderful, and you can remember that moment. Hey, remember that moment where God came through financially for us? Remember that moment where we, they sang that, that one song at just the right time, and man, the, 
man, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, right? Like there's something special about that. But then we live in a world that is, is so readily available for us to get distracted, right? And we had that moment and it was great, but then the next thing you know that we're just back living the exact same way that we always were. And so if we truly want to be part of a movement of God, we need to not only have the right expectation, we need to have the right strategy as well. And that's what we're doing when we're looking at that special moment that 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 group of people, that 120 people, all of a sudden moved to 3,000. And then we can look at the world that we live in today and the movement of God that has continued to, to transform the world where billions of people follow Jesus today, right? So how did they go from this 120 to 3,000 to seeing all of a sudden the entire world? How did they do that? If I want to be part of a movement like that, then why don't we look back to the moment that they had, how in that moment transitioned to a movement and see what their strategy was, right? And that's what we're doing in Acts chapter 2, verses 42. And it says this, they devoted themselves. The first thing that we need to understand if we're going to be part of a movement of God is that we can't just have, we can't just have the right attitude about it. We need to have the right devotion about it. You have to be devoted to it, Right? It's not, just a, it's not just a hope. There's a devotion that we have. You know, anytime that I see somebody who is incredibly passionate and devoted to something, and you ask them, hey, how did you become so passionate? How did this become such a part of your life? I've never met somebody who is full of devotion who has said, I really don't know. There's always a plan behind it, right? There's always a plan of how they got to that place. There was always some training. There was always some difficult moments. And they had to make the choice to be devoted to something. They had to make the choice to say, this is what I'm going to give my life for, right? And that's what we're hoping is that you will do as well, is not just just hear a plea to be part of a movement, but that you will make the choice to be part of a movement. Now we say they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so while we're, while we're doing this is we said, okay, if this is the strategy that God has for us, then we want to truly have the right they around each and every single... I need the right they in my life. Anybody need the right they in their life? Because I get distracted. Anybody want to admit they get distracted, right? I get distracted, and I need the right they to keep me focused. And, why, and that's why next week, September 29th, that we are launching into a thing called focus groups. Because I don't know about you, but I need people to help me focus, right? And so we want to have focus groups. We want you to be part of a focus group. If you're saying that I want to have a, I want to be part of a movement of God, then you want to be part of a focus group. Because I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you that you are better together. And that there are going to be moments in your life where you need somebody to say, get your focus back in the right direction. You're getting a little bit distracted here. You're getting a lot distracted here, all right? And you got to get your focus back. And that's what the focus groups are all about. And those are launching next week. And so I hope that you come with an expectation to say, you know what? We've been thinking about this. We've been praying about this. And we need to be part of a focus group. But here's the other thing. Again, that I could give an emotional plea and I could be able to call you and you'd say, okay, in this moment, I'm going to choose to be part of it. Well, that's not what we're asking for. I don't want you to just give in to a moment. I want you to have a devotion inside of your life. And so here's what's going to happen with our focus groups. 
is that next Sunday is our, our launch Sunday for them. But we're not going to actually start those groups until the first week of November. Why? So that you can make the choice. Because true devotion takes a choice. You could sign up for it, and you could say, yeah, I'm going to be part of that. And then the next thing you know, life gets in the way, and you're not part of it anymore. Because what you did is you just signed up for a moment. I don't want to see a moment in your life. I want to see a movement of God in your life. And so we're giving a month leeway for you to truly make that choice. As an individual, as a couple, as a family, we are going to make the choice to be devoted. They devoted themselves. And that's what we're asking for you as well. I'm not just trying to come up with a, a Sunday where we can stand up and we can pat ourselves on the back and we can say, well, all right. Man, we had 100%. Everybody signed up for a group. That's fantastic. How many people showed up on the last week of those groups? 50% of you. I'd rather have 50% of devotion than 100% in just a moment. Be praying about it. Because if you want to be part of a movement of God, it takes the right attitude and it takes the right strategy for you. And that's what we want to be able to do, is to be able to have that. So then if I was sitting in your shoes and, and I hear this and I'm like, man, you know what, I, I feel you on that. Like, I, I want to make the right choices in my life. I want to be able to follow those right steps. I want to be able to do that. And you talk about these focus groups, but the question that I would have is, what is that going to look like, right? What, like, what are the, what's going to happen in those groups? I don't want to just sign up for something and then all of a sudden it's like, this is some weird stuff going on in here. I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't even want to go back to church because then I got to look at that person in the eye again. And I'm not really, right? Like I, so I'd be asking that question. If I were you, I'd be wondering, what is that group going to look like, right? And that's what we've been talking about is that we want to prepare you for the choice that you're going to make. And so what are, what are they going to look like? Again, let's go back to the strategy that the first church had in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We talked about this last week. Every single one of our focus groups will have a focus upon the Word of God. Come on now. It has the power to change you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. To have a renewing of the mind that happens when I devote myself to the Word of God. And every single one of our focus groups will be devoted to the Word of God and to fellowship. Today, we're going to talk about devoting ourselves to fellowship. That's kind of a weird word. Anybody agree with me? When do you use the word fellowship, right? Like at church and maybe in academic circles. You're joining a fellowship. So if you ever said to me, Hey, hey, pastor, what are you doing this weekend? You want to come over and fellowship? No. <laughs> the answer to that is always going to be no. I do not want to come over and fellowship because you sound like a weirdo, right? It just does. Who, who uses the word fellowship, right? Well, here's what that word fellowship in the Greek, which is what the original language that this was written in, here's what that word means. It, it, it's koinonia. And koinonia can be translated as fellowship. Right? That makes sense because that's what they said. Fellowship, community, partnership, together. 
Come on now. Koinonia means that we're just together. So if you say to me, hey, pastor, what are you doing this weekend? You want to come over and get together this weekend? Yeah, sure. That sounds great. That sounds fantastic. Let's get together. That's what it's about is just being together. Why? Because we are better together. We need to devote ourselves to just simply being together because it helps us focus on the right thing. And we want to be in a place where we focus on God at all times. That's what we want to help. We want to lead people to focus on Jesus. When things are, are going great in your life, don't get distracted by all the great things. Focus on Jesus and praise him for the great things. When things are going difficult in your life, what are you going to do? Are you going to focus on all the negativity? Are you going to focus on all the situations? Or are you going to focus on Jesus and how he's working in those situations, right? It's amazing what happens when you focus on Jesus and I know this that I can get distracted myself and I know that you can get distracted which is why we want to be in a place where we are together so that we can keep our focus on Jesus that's what it's all about Hebrews 10 24 says and let us consider how me how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds right man I want to be around people who can spur me on towards love I want to be around people who can spur me on towards good deeds that don't just leave me in a place where you're like, you're just fine. Go ahead. You know what? You're better than some other people around you. So you just, no, I want to be around people who are spurring me on to be better than who I am today, right? That's what I hope for you. Because we talk again about that future that God has for us. And here's what I know. I know that that future that God has for us, that that it's there waiting for each and every single one of us. But it takes a whole lot more than just hope to get to that place. It takes more than just hope that we're going to get to the future that God has for us. Because he says, don't give up meeting as some are ought to do, as some are in the habit of doing. To get to the future that God has in store for each and every single one of you, it's your habits that will get you there. Your habits the life that you have that you are living towards Jesus, those are the things that are going to determine your future. You can have a belief in Jesus, but if your habits are destructive, what's going to happen? It's going to lead you down a destructive path. Your habits, don't give up meeting as some are in the habit of doing. Some habits are a lot easier than others, aren't they? And let me tell you this, when it comes to saying yes to being part of a focus group, to being part of a community around you, it is so much easier to make a habit of isolation than a habit of connectedness. It's so much easier even on a Sunday morning to just say, ah, I'm just going to sleep in and grab some brunch. It's so much easier on some habits than others. But the habits that will truly make you successful those are difficult, but they're going to make you successful. Don't give up meeting. Don't give up in those tough times. You got to make sure that you're, you're choosing the right habits. They're hard to do, right? Anybody ever start working out before? Right? I'm going to start working out one time. Like, yeah, oh, now I'm sore. I can't go tomorrow because I'm too sore. And then I'm right back in the habit of not going anymore, right? 
you got to make it a habit. you got to make those things a habit. Being part of a group, I'm telling you, it's going to take a choice and it's going to take a tough habit for you to be part of. It just is. But that's what we're going to ask you to do. Why? Because we believe that you are better together and we believe that a focus group is going to set you up to help you focus on Jesus. It's going to help you set you up for the future that God has in store for you. Help, help you and your family because some of you in here are not just making choices for yourself. You're making choices for generations that are coming after you. Not just the generation coming after you, generations coming after you. I'm trying to leave a legacy that is pointing people towards Jesus. And what does it take to do that? Some hard habits. Some hard habits, but I'm dedicated to making sure that I do it. I'm devoted to it. And that's what we hope for you as well. So what does that look like then, right? Like fellowship, getting together. What does that look like when you say that? Like, okay, I'm going to make this devotion to, to, to be in this group. I'm going to do it. But what is that going to look like then? Right? Like what does, what does fellowship, what does being together, what does that really look like? Well, I'm going to tell you, that's what we want to break down for the rest of the time that we have today. And I've got two words for you to help describe what being together looks like. Two words and one encouragement to help you through this time to help create a habit inside of your life and inside of generations that are going to come. So what, a, what being together looks like, number one is this, food. Come on, somebody. Anybody love food around here? Come on now. Uh, we had uh, Jenny and I, my wife and I, we had a, a, a couple from church. We went out to breakfast. Worth, man, breakfast food. Come on, right? I'm going to take some breakfast food and not eat for the rest of the day. That's the kind of, and we went out for breakfast and they, they asked us, they were like, well, hey, pastor, where, where would you guys want to go? What, what kind of breakfast do you like? And, and I was like, well, I'm on a seafood diet. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I see food and I eat it. That joke never gets old. I love, love being a dad just so I can tell dad jokes, right? It's corny and they're funny. You, you got to admit that's funny. I love, but I love food, right? But here's the thing, like it's easy to get around a group of people and there's food that's involved and, and you want to be, like you can't, have a, you can't have a party without food involved, can you? You can't have a barbecue without the barbecue, can you? Right? You can't have a tailgate, it's football season, come on now, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, there, you want to have food around, but that doesn't mean that there has to be food there. See, here's what, here's what I'm really meaning, and I was kind of being liberal with food because I knew you'd remember it. <laughs> but here's what I mean by that is that uh, Jenny and I, one of the things that we love, uh, one of the places that we really love right now is a restaurant called The Italian Butcher. Anyone? Anyone been there? Come on, somebody. If you haven't, you're gonna, we're going to take some people there, right? Italian Butcher is great, and, the, and what they serve there is, well, Italian food. <laughs> No duh, right? Like, uh, they serve Italian food, but what they really, what they're kind of famous for are those, those meat and cheese boards. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Charcuterie boards. I feel, I feel like a foodie that I know charcuterie board. I just taught some of y'all something in here today. Charcuterie board, that's what that means. And, and we go there and we order those things and, and, uh, and big buckets of meatballs with different sauces on it. And then they bring all of that food and they, they lay it on the table and then everybody just, everybody just piles in and grabs what you want. It's served family style, right? Family style. 
And that's really what, that's really what I mean by being in together with food is that it's family style. See, Acts 2, 44 says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything. Family style. I want to be around some people that they feel the freedom to go ahead and take a bite off of my plate. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, the only person who's doing that is my family. Yeah. Right? I go out to dinner with you and you do that, I'm going to be like, we're not family yet, man. <laughs> well, let's hope that we get there someday. I want to share everything. What does that look like then within the context of a group? What does that look like for us to be able to, to share? What, what do we share? Share everything? I'll tell you what, number one, number one, the first thing that we're going to share, we need to share our finances. Some of you are like, I ain't going to no group now. Man. <laughs> be out your mind. We're going to take, we're going to have offering at groups too? No, I don't mean that. I mean that there's an attitude of generosity that you have. You get into a group of people that you start to understand their needs. You start to understand what's going on. And man, there's somebody in your group that's getting ready to have a baby. And what do you do? You throw a baby shower for them, right? You want to be able to, my wife will throw a baby shower for them. I'm not going to baby shower. I'm done going. Can I get an amen from all the guys in here? Come on now. All the ladies are like, let's have a group. Let's have a couple's baby shower. I love you, ladies. <laughs> you have somebody in your group that, that they, hey, they, they need some help. Like, you, you're looking at them, and you're like, you guys need a night out. Why don't we go ahead and find a babysitter for you, right? Why don't we pay for a babysitter for you? You see somebody who's going through a financial need and you say, you know what, together we can do, together we can help this person out. Why don't we get together and let's help this person out and bless them financially, right? That's what I mean by that. Let's, I'm not trying to hoard this all to myself. I want to be generous with what God has given me because I know this. I know that the blessings that God has given me are not for myself, but so that I can be a blessing to somebody who's in my family. That's what I'm talking about. Be in a place where you're saying, you know what, I want to share. I'm going to share everything. God, whatever you have for me to do, I'm going to do that. I want to share my finances. I want to share my time. I want to share my time with other people. Go to the time one. I want to share my time with other people too, right? Some of you are in here, you're like, oh, you know what, I'd love to be part of a focus group. That sounds fantastic, but, but I'm busy. Join the club, Right? Everybody in here is busy. When you retire, some of y'all retired in here and you're busier now than when you worked, weren't you? Yeah. We're all busy. Your choice is where are you going to spend your time? I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I'm spending my time on the habits that are going to make me successful. It's going to take dedication, which again is a reason why we're waiting a month to be able to start. Why? So you can make the choice, and then you can rearrange your schedule to fit around something that's incredibly important for you. Make the time. Be generous with your time. Be generous specifically with the people around you that can help make you better. Be generous with the time that you have. 
because we all have the same amount. Don't hoard your time. Don't hoard your finances. Don't hoard your time. What else are you going to share if you're part of a group? If you want to be family style, you want to be part of, you share in your finance, you share in your time. You got to share your faith with somebody. Come on now. Share your faith with somebody. That special moment that God gave those people in Acts chapter 2, it's because Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then what happened after that? And you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? Shares what they have seen, what they have heard, and what they have experienced. Share your faith with somebody. Your faith is not... It's the cultural thing that we live in, that your faith is personal just for you. That is not what Scripture teaches at all. That's what culture is trying to teach us, just to get us to be quiet. Here's what I know, that we live in a world that is hungry for spirituality. We live in a culture that is hungry for spirituality. I was reading a, a business article just a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about they were talking about how businesses are beginning to bring in mediums. I'm not talking about shirt size. <laughs> They're bringing in people that can give palm readings, can read tarot cards, to help set up their employees for success. Why? Because we live in a culture and a world that is hungry for spirituality. And if we are going to buy into the notion that we have to be quiet about our faith, then that void is going to be filled by something else. God has said that you should be a witness. Be ready and willing to share your faith. And I can tell you, that at times that we've bought into what culture has taught us and it has made us fearful of sharing our faith, which is why you can be in a group of people who have the same faith system and belief system so that you can begin to feel comfortable sharing your faith so when the opportunity arises that you can be bold about sharing your faith with somebody else. If you want to truly follow what God says, what Jesus said to be his witness, I'm telling you, get yourself around a group of people who you can begin to share your story, that you can begin to share your faith with in a safe environment, and then when all of a sudden there's an unsafe environment, you're going to have a boldness. Why? Because you've already done it before. If you have, if you have become fearful, if you've become fearful of sharing your faith, you need to be part of a group. Because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a boldness that's going to come over you when you surround yourself with other believers. Because we're better together. We're better together. What does it look like to be in fellowship? It means that we want to be able to share everything. It means that we want to be able to have, have food and family style. We're sharing everything. We're sharing, we're sharing our life, which is really what it comes down to. That's our finances, our time, our faith, those are the things that are important to us. And we're just sharing, we're sharing our life with other people. That's what God has called us to do. We are better together. What does it look like for us in a group if we're going to be together? Number one is food. Number two is this. You want to have some fun. Come on, somebody, right? 
I want to be. Anybody love food around here? Anybody love fun around here? Right? Those of you that agree to that, I'm going to tell you, groups were made for you. If you don't like food, if you don't like fun, that eh, might not be the best place for you, all right? Because I don't know about you, but I want to have fun wherever I go. If it's like, hey, do you want to come, do you want to go someplace where we're not going to have fun? No, I don't. I don't want to go there. I might have to go there, so I will, but otherwise I don't, I don't want to go. I just, I want to go places where I'm going to have fun. More importantly, I want to be around people that are fun who are spurring me on to love and good deeds. Because here's what I know. Life change is hard, isn't it? Life change is hard. And when I say yes to Jesus and I want to follow him, what he's asking me to do is change everything. Like not just one aspect of my life. He's asking me to change all aspects of my life. You need to change the way that you spend your money. You need to be able to change the way that you spend your time. You need to be able to change some of the people that you're hanging out with. You need to be able to change the way that you talk. You need to be able to change the way that you think. Oh my goodness, I'm tired, right? But that's what Jesus is, Jesus is spurring us on, to become more like him every single day. It's hard. And when things are hard, sometimes I want to give up. Anybody want to give up? Right? Nobody in here has ever given up on working out before, right? You are way more dedicated than I am, right? Some of you are like, it's not hard for me to give up because I never started, right? <laughs> it's hard. Life changes hard. Which is why it's easier when it's enjoyable. Right. I, if I have to change my life, then if it's enjoyable, then I'll, I'll like, okay, that's really hard, but it's really fun to be around these people. It's really fun to be in that situation. It's really great to do this and to do that. It's really fun coming to church because then they go, they sing songs and the, and the pastor is so funny. That felt a little sarcastic on some of those laughs. A little, a little too much. <laughs> because this is what I know. I know that if it's enjoyable, it's easier. And if I'm going to follow Jesus, which is hard to do, let's just admit it. We all fail at following Jesus perfectly, right? So if it's hard to do that, then let's try to find a place where it's enjoyable so that it says, man, I, I didn't do well in that situation, but I'm back on it. And I want to be around people. I want to be around people who are, who are fun to be around. I want to be around people who are enjoyable to be around, who are spurring me on to love and good deeds. Such a great Proverbs 15, 30. I love this one so much. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart, right? A smile. When somebody's smiling, you're like, oh, I'd like to be around that person. Right? Some of you are like, I'm having fun right now. You need to tell your face you are. Because <laughs> some of y'all don't look like it, right? I saw some smiles now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we go. Cheerful look brings joy to the heart. When you're around people that are fun to be around, who are smiling when you're around them, it brings joy to your heart. Because there's, there's a lot of situations that we go through in life that are not joyful. There's a lot of situations that we go through in life that are, that are painful. And then, in fact, 
What do we do when that happens? What do we do when the pain really comes? Because there's some of you in here today that you're like, you know, I don't, you're talking about groups and you're talking about being better together. But you know what? I've tried that before. We put ourselves into a place where we wanted to be around other people and, and those people hurt us. I put myself into a position where I was vulnerable. I told something that was, was really personal to me. And then they used it against me later on. So you go ahead and you, you just stand up there and you talk about those focus groups because that's fine for somebody else. But I'm going to pass. So what do you do then? What do you do if God tells us that we're better together? What do you do when life truly gets difficult? What do you do when you've been hurt? What are you going to do in those situations where it's so much easier to just go ahead and isolate yourself? I'm safe right here. What do you do then? I said I had two words for you and one encouragement. My encouragement for you today that when life gets hard and when people have hurt you, my encouragement for you today is you need to stay connected. You need to stay connected. Even when it is hard. Even when it is difficult. Even when you say, you know what, it's just so much easier for me to be by myself. It's so much easier for it to just, hey, you know what, it's just, it's just me and my wife. It's just me and my husband. It's just me and my kids. We're fine. Inside these four walls. I'm not trying to open up to anybody else anymore. What do you do in those moments? My encouragement is to stay connected. Why? Because of Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. It says, it says this, not giving up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. Scripture says, don't give up. As some are in the habit of doing. There's going to be conflict when you have people, there's going to be conflict when you ask people into your life. There's going to be disagreements that you have. That doesn't mean that you give up on it. There's going to be hurt that will happen. I can tell you that it will. And it will continue to do so. But you don't give up. You stay connected. You keep meeting together. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop just because one person. Because there's a group of people around you that can love you out of that hurt. There's a group of people that want to be able to walk with you and help you stay connected. Last week, Last week we finished uh, our talk talking about a football team that has an cre- incredible dynasty today. And it pained me to talk about the New England Patriots. <laughs> of what it's like when you're devoted to a teaching and staying teachable. And so I thought it would be appropriate today that if we, if we talked about the power of staying connected of not talking about a dynasty, but talking about some dynasty killers. 
the New York Giants. I knew I'd get one of them. I knew I would. I was anticipating it all week long. My boy's going to be there. He's going to get excited. He might even tweet about it. At church, pastor's loving on the Giants. <laughs> and in 2006, the New York Giants had a coach, Tom Coughlin. You can put the picture of Tom Coughlin up there. And Tom Coughlin is this coach that, that some players love and some players hate it. Just hated being around him. And he was trying to constantly get those players that didn't want to be around him to kind of buy into the program and buy into what was happening. And it just wasn't working at all. And 2006 was just another blah year. And then all of a sudden in the offseason, these players that were, were just fed up with this coach with all of these rules and all this stuff, and they were like, you know what? I'd rather retire than be on that team anymore. I'd rather go someplace else. And over the offseason of 2006, the team began to have this kind of overhaul. Some of the best players left the team. And everybody thought, 2007 comes around, good luck. They're not the same team as they were before. And they started off and they had a couple of bumps in the road. But all of a sudden, this, this, this group of people, they stayed. They stayed together and, and all of a sudden, these 53 guys began to become a team. And started to mesh together. And by the time that the playoffs came, they barely made it in because of some of the bumps that they had along the road. But they made it in. And the playoffs come and and they play the first team, and wild card, and they play the next team, and they win again, and they win again. And the next thing you know, the next thing you know, they're playing in the Super Bowl against the 18-0 New England Patriots. And the New York Giants were the largest underdogs in the history of the Super Bowl. They expected, they expected the Giants to get blown away, to lose by 20 points. The Patriots is going to roll them. That's what everybody thought. But this group of people that stayed connected as a team, they rallied around each other. And something miraculous began to happen in that Super Bowl. And they made me a couple plays, and they made a couple plays, and they made a couple plays. And then all of a sudden, it's the very end of the game, and the Patriots are up, and their ball is in the New York Giants' hands. And they got this quarterback, looks all goofy. His name is Eli Manning. <laughs> I think he knows what he's doing. He doesn't look like it, but he thinks he does. And he's getting, he's getting pressure. And he's almost getting sacked. And in fact, one of, the, one of the Patriots has got a hold of his jersey. And he is barely in a place where he can let the ball go. But he launches the ball down the field. And there's a, there's a guy, a wide receiver, who's down the 50-yard line, not even a, that great of a player, not even somebody who's like their, their stud wide receiver, and he throws the ball to him, and he's got one of the, one of the greatest New England Patriots uh, defensive backs on him, all over him, and the ball comes flying to, towards him, and he doesn't get both hands on the ball, he only gets one hand and a helmet, yeah. 
and he catches the ball with Rodney. He, look at this. He catches it on his helmet. He stayed connected to the ball and the helmet. And he made the catch. And two plays later, they throw a touchdown pass into the end zone. And the mighty New England Patriots are defeated by the New York Giants. A team that they never thought would make it. It's a true story. It is. We're having fun up in here. The power of staying connected. How do you think that those players who gave up on the team, some of the best players, how do you think that they felt when all of a sudden, all of those people that they were around, they got a ring. I could have had a ring. But instead, I wanted to be by myself. God has an amazing future in store for each of you. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There's moments that you're going to find joy and there's moments that you're going to find pain. And what are you going to do in the moments that are painful? What are you going to do in the moments that are hard and difficult? That's when the habits are the most important. That's when the habits really come through for you. You stay connected. What does a group look like? It looks like a place where you can have some sharing of the entire life. We want to have some food around. It's a place where we can have fun and we can enjoy ourselves and we can see somebody that we're just waiting to have a smile for them to impact my heart in a big way. And when the tough times come, that I want to encourage you, don't give up on those groups. You stay connected. Why? Because we are better together. Come on, church. Would you please stand with me today? I'm telling you, church, there's going to be moments of your life where there's going to be a fire that comes around. There's going to be a time when all of a sudden you're in between a rock and a hard place. There's going to be some moments for you. There's going to be some moments for you where you're not sure how you're going to be able to escape the situation that you're in. And I'm going to tell you what. You're going to be able to focus on Jesus and how he's going to get through for you when you have people around you who are focused on the exact same thing. Come on, church, to get together at this moment. Can we put our focus upon Jesus and understand that there's another in the fire with us? Come on, let's do it.